Hey friends, Darren here. Welcome to another episode of That Drum Life Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me Tuesday and every Tuesday for new episodes of That Drum Life Podcast. Uh, for those of you that reached out, I'm feeling much better. Thank you. I appreciate you a lot. I wanted to talk to you today about choosing the right snare drum for the studio. All right, let's establish a starting spot. Uh, let's assume that you have a nice drum set that is mechanically sound and everything's working and everything's sounding good. Maybe you have two drum sets, perfect. You have a good selection of cymbals, couple of ride cymbals, couple of different crash options, you know, two sets of hi-hats or, you know, maybe three, just, you know, you have some options there in the cymbal world. Snare drums are incredibly important to the sound of the entire kit. You can change out your snare and the whole kit sounds different. Uh, if you changed out a 10-inch tom, the whole kit doesn't sound different. So the snare is really kind of in charge of the direction of the sound that the whole kit goes toward, okay? It pulls the whole kit in that direction. So the snare, the way it sounds with the rest of the kit is really, really, really important. So let's assume you have a couple of snare drums. By, you know, uh, two snares, three snares, great. You have to start your collection somewhere. Um, through the years, I've built up a pretty big snare collection. I think I ended up with 55 at one point. And then over the last, uh, over the last few years, uh, I've actually been whittling it down quite a bit. So I don't have that many snare drums, but the snare drums that I do have left in my collection that... Um, you know, aren't basically pieces of furniture that, you know, are rare and you can't find anymore, that kind of thing. But the snares that I actually use uh, for playing, uh, there's, oh my gosh, um, five, no, 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 six, six drums that I have to choose from that if none of those drums are going to work, then I, the problem isn't the drum. The problem is I'm not sure what kind of sound I'm going for or the client, producer, songwriter, whatever, doesn't know the kind of sound that they're looking for. So you don't need to bring in, you know, 40, 50 drums to the studio. Um, really, three drums, four, five at the most would definitely cover everything. Now, you can whittle those options down a little bit. Um, a lot of it is just really listening to, uh, you know, d your pre-production, listening to the song you have, you go into the studio, you know what kind of song it is. And we're talking like big, broad generalities here. Is it a rock song? Is it a metal song? Is it a salsa tune? Is it a, a jazz song? Um, yeah, big, broad kind of things. The drums you're going to bring to a metal session are probably not the drums you're going to bring to a little jazz combo, um, you know, everyone in the same room recording session. Probably not. Maybe so. I don't know. But probably not. Now, you're going to have, um, as you're building up your drum collection, you want to have options, if your first drum, say, was a drum uh, that came with the drum set, uh, maybe it's a maple snare and it sounds good and everything, then your next purchase should really be a metal drum. 
an aluminum drum or uh, brass is a really popular metal, uh, even steel. Uh, any of those metals are fine. Stick to the normal, the big popular metals for drums. Um, I, I wouldn't go with copper or even titanium. I would go with the most popular metals, which are aluminum, brass, and steel. I would definitely stick with those. So that kind of drum, that kind of metal drum, um, in contrast to your existing maple drum, will give you, you know, a pretty good range to start. If the wood drum isn't cutting it and you need something that's like a little brighter and a little more cutting, maybe it's got to compete with some, you know, like some riffy guitar, uh, you know, riffy, genty guitars, that kind of thing, then head toward your metal drum. And if that doesn't cover it, well, then break out the credit card and go buy some more drums. All right. So getting a wood drum and a metal drum, both are solid and that'll take you a lot of places. That'll cover a lot of distance and give you some options uh, right off the bat. If one drum isn't cutting it, great. Switch it out to the next one. If that drum isn't cutting it, then switch it out to a third. Now for a third snare drum, I would definitely go back to a wood drum, either a different kind of wood, birch or oak or ash or something like that, and definitely go for a different size. If you have a shallow drum to start with, get a deeper drum. Shallow meaning five inches or uh, or shorter, getting into the piccolo snare drum territory. Uh, deeper drums would be six and a half, seven, up to eight. And now most of your drums are going to be 14 inches in diameter. You might have a 13, uh, you might have a 12 or smaller getting into the popcorn snare drum territory, that kind of thing. But really just stick with the drums that you think are going to cover the most settings for you. So those are going to be roughly your 14 inch drums anywhere from four and a half to seven inches deep. That seems to be the sweet spot that most, the most utilitarian, the most usable snare drums uh, are gonna live. So stick to that. And then outside of that, have some fun with it. Choose your options, choose your colors, you know, die cast hoops or triple flange hoops, you know, that kind of thing. All right, so there's lots and lots and lots to do. As you're looking, there are a few things to keep in mind. Um, Number one, price doesn't necessarily mean better sound. Now, if you know me, you kind of know my thing. I I will <laughs> I will scream this from the mountaintops. There is no bad sound. It's impossible. It's such a subjective thing. There's no such thing as a bad sound unless you're just using that, you know, to you know, qualify what kind of sound you're looking for. I'm looking for a bad sound and that snare drum sounds bad. Yeah, that kind of thing, fine. There is no such thing as a bad sound. There's no such thing as a good sound. The only kind of sound there is, is the sound you're looking for in the moment. All right? And you can decide if that's for you or not for you. You know, not every drum, not every sound is made perfectly for you. There is no bad sound, there is no good sound. Those two things do not exist. There's only sound. Now, there is such thing, <laughs> such things as bad snare drums and good snare drums. And I'm, I'm only speaking to, um, to the mechanics of the drum, the manufacturing of the drum. Uh, you definitely wanna get 
a drum that is, you know, manufactured well with good parts. Uh, the tension rods are good. The, the hardware is beefy enough to hold up over time. Um, the, the hoops aren't, you know, the 1.6 millimeter, really, really cheap, thin hoops that you'll eventually play through. I mean, is it a good snare drum? Is it a good pro level snare drum? Uh, and it's kind of cool because, uh, the, the intermediate, level of drum uh, of drum products that are out there the intermediate level are pro enough <laughs> i mean they're pro drums like through and through so but i do want to steer you away from the 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 hyped up thousand dollar plus snare drums um i mean they're they're beautiful i you know when i see them i i'm in awe of how cool they look and the craftsmanship that goes into it and everything like that but for a working drummer uh, that might not be for you there's definitely tons of ways to to find that kind of sound for much cheaper so price doesn't necessarily mean better you're not going to get uh, a sound advantage out of that. You're only going to get a mechanical manufacturing, uh, you know, nuts and bolts kind of advantage uh, from paying more for a drum. And when I say more, I mean like paying five to $600 versus paying $200, that kind of thing. Don't go breaking the bank. There's lots and lots of great options. Amazing sounding snare drums for 250 to $300, right? So you can go find them and just start slowly but surely beefing up your collection. And if something's not for you, then flip it. Go, you know, sell it on eBay and go find another drum, okay? Keep moving your collection, keep churning your collection. And as you go, you're also kind of fine-tuning your ears to, you know, what sounds good to you and getting to know different kinds of drums to be able to make a good decision if uh, a, a studio gig comes your way and and immediately it clicks and you're like, oh, this uh, this Pearl Sensitone over here is going to be perfect for that track. I'm going to use that. So as you go, you get familiar with the drums, you get familiar with what that sound means to you, and then you can more confidently apply it to a studio session that comes your way. Now, for me and my experience, if I'm going to another studio, um, I'm typically bringing, you know, my kit, I'm bringing a selection of cymbals, and then I'm bringing three to four snare drums. Now, going in, I know what kind of song it is, I know what kind of band it is, I know what kind of EP or album they're cutting, you know, what what have you, and I bring the appropriate drums. I'm not going to bring a little piccolo snare, uh, I'm not going to bring a little, you know, like popcorn wonder, you know, that kind of thing. Um, funny story, way back in the day in my symphony days, I had a little uh, DW piccolo and the maestro, Frederick Fennell, called it a pea shooter and he never wanted to see it again. <laughs> so I had to, um, yeah, I had to get that drum off the stage and bring out like one of the big, big, uh, big field drums. But I was young and dumb and that was, uh, that was a good time. Yeah, it's a memory that I'll cherish forever. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Um, so. I bring the appropriate snare drums. If it's a big rock thing, then I'm bringing rock snare drums. I'm bringing my chrome over steels. I'm bringing uh, my heavy brass drums, uh, something like that. You know what you're getting into going in. Uh, pop or funk, whatever. I'm gonna find the three to four drums that would fit in that area. 
And that's it. I mean, really, if you can't get the sound that you're looking for out of three to four drums, then there, you know there's something else wrong. Now, there's lots of other variables at play as well. There's the heads you use. There's the way you tune the drums, which is huge. There's also, and this isn't really on drummer's radar so much, but there's also the mics you use and the position of those mics and the cabling and the, the pre's and the converters. I mean, everything between your drum and getting your drums sound out through the studio monitors. Yeah, there's a lot of variables there at play. So the mic hears your drum a certain way and then the DAW processes that a certain way and then you hear it back. So your drum that sounds amazing to you in the in the room might not be hitting that hard in in the sound booth. So if you get a chance to, you know, listen to your recording back, you're like, uh, hmm, okay, cool. And then you can kind of reassess, maybe tune the drum differently or just change out the drum altogether and start again. And also this is assuming that there's no sound replacement that's going to be going on. <laughs> Sometimes that's a hard call. I mean, I've played on records before where we spent so much time getting the perfect drum sounds and then we play the record and then by the time the record comes out, everything is sound replaced and that's just the sound that that industry expects. I mean, triggering and sound replacement is a whole nother discussion for another time. So let's just keep on assuming that there is going to be no sound replacement, that it's just the acoustic sound of your drum that's going to be primary through the whole recording process. And also you can use the other people that are there as an excellent resource. There's probably an engineer, the band might be there, the songwriter might be there, uh, the producer might be there. Um, they could say, Hey, that drum sounds amazing. And, but you know, it's just not hitting like, like we had anticipated. So try this drum over here. And it's your job as a drummer to be cool and open to that and, you know, give suggestions where your suggestions are needed. And, but otherwise you're there to perform a job and to, uh, to make the client happy. So I have a perfect example of that. Um, I had a six and a half by 14, Ludwig Superphonic with a super sensitive uh, snare strainer on it. Um, the thing was incredibly pitted. It was one of the ugliest drums I've ever owned. I must have cut 50 TV commercials on that thing. It was old and it was dirty and it was rattling. Uh, yeah, if you if you have a drum with a super sensitive uh, strainers on it, you know how that uh, those little nylon parts, they start to relax after a while and the whole drum just kind of becomes rattly. But the drum was so dry and it had a certain sound to it. I never changed the heads on it. Uh, it had an old coated ambassador that had been on there for years and years and years. I think it was the first one when I actually got the drum. Um, but it had a certain sound and the same guy that would call me to come in to do all those commercials, he just wanted that drum. I didn't need to bring anything else. He's like, yeah, just, just bring that drum. That's the one. And so for that studio and that room and the way I played it and the microphones and all the chain all the way through to the end result, that was the one that he wanted. He was happy with it. Great. It's my job to make that happen. So I only brought one snare to that gig. <laughs> which, hey, is a great load in for me because the, the studio had a house kit, you know, so it was all good. I just kind of had to drop in, put up my cymbals and then um, uh, put a, put that one snare drum on that one, you know, disgustingly ugly, pitted, rattly mess of a superphonic drum. And um, yeah, and then play away. 
So I think I paid maybe 150 bucks for that drum many, many, many years ago. And then I've been on other sessions where the only drum that would work uh, for the song is, you know, a thousand something dollar DW Edge. Um, so really, really, who knows? But it's important to have uh, to have the options there and available. And now one of the stories that I really love um, about the right snare drum for the right job um, comes from the band The War on Drugs. In 2017, they released a record called A Deeper Understanding, and one of the songs on it was called Clean Living, and the drummer uh, was in Philly. His name is Pat Burkery. Um, He played on a Mastro toy snare drum. That's right. You've probably seen him floating around eBay, maybe. It's a red, sparkle, plastic drum with... uh, with gold hardware, I mean, plastic, like everything on the thing is plastic, uh, except for the snare wires, but it's a toy snare drum. Um, and yeah, that was the perfect snare for that song. And, uh, hmm, let's see. Oh yeah. It also won the Grammy for best rock album in 2017. (laughs) (laughs) So if you haven't heard it, go over to YouTube, search for The War on Drugs, and the song is called Clean Living, and you'll hear what I mean. And that snare drum just sits in the mood of that song like crazy. And it's a little toy plastic snare drum, and it sounds great. I searched for years, and I finally have one of them in my collection. I haven't recorded with it yet. It's just kind of sitting around on a shelf, you know, looking pretty and everything. But it's... I don't know. It's just cool. (laughs) It's also a reminder that the perfect snare sound can really kind of come from anywhere. You have no idea where it's going to come from. You can take your best guess, right? (laughs) But ultimately, uh, the best snare drum sound, the the song is going to let you know. Now, there's so much more that goes into it, but this is, we're just kind of ballparking the right snare drum for the right job. Um, But the heads make a huge difference. The snare wires make a huge difference. Um, for me, for heads, I usually use a single ply head in the studio. Remo coded ambassadors do the job perfectly every single time, unless I'm going for a, a certain kind of sound. If I need like a really deep thuddy disco sound, then I'll put a I'll put a pinstripe. Uh, on a snare drum and tune it real low and thuddy, uh, you know, and get that kind of sound. Um, I really only go to two ply heads or the CS uh, uh, center dot uh, reinforced heads if I'm playing live and it's just kind of part of the show where you're just beating the crap out of the drums and that kind of thing. Um, you know, just, you know, a little insurance policy. Uh, for snare wires, I'm using uh, Pure Sound Pro Customs. Uh, they're brass snare wires. Just for me and my ears, I think they sound good on everything. They cover the greatest sound distance. Um, so I pretty much dump those on all of my snares. And uh, as far as tuning, I mean, we're going, we're going quick here, but <laughs> as far as tuning goes, every drum that you have has a certain sweet spot. Uh, yes, you can tune drums really high and tune the same drum really low, but there's a certain sweet spot that each drum has, and it's very narrow. It's it's about, in the batter head, a minor third interval, where the drum really, really sings, where it really, really responds well. So I try to keep the drums there, 
All right. If I have a drum that uh, that I have to tune out of that range, then I'll go for another drum. If it's a five inch drum and I have that same kind of drum in a six and a half, um, then instead of tuning the instead of tuning the five lower outside of its sweet spot range, I'll just go to the six and a half drum. And chances are that's going to be just perfect. Now, I can't stress this enough, friends. No matter what drum you have. It should be well tuned up, and I'm I'm not really talking about head pitch or anything like that. I'm talking about uh, everything mechanical on the drum should be in tip top shape, uh, should be operated properly. All the tension rods, top and bottom, should be evenly tensioned. the 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 hoops should be flat and clear all the way around the drum. Um, the snare wires should be centered on the bottom head properly. There shouldn't be any weird rattles or anything like that. The drum needs to be tuned up like a like a fine race car. You know, everything needs to be working tip top shape. And then you can focus on tuning, uh, muffling, um, you know, that kind of thing. Actually deal with the sound instead of just trying to chase problems with the mechanics of the drum. So make sure all your drums are in great shape and uh, ready to rock in a moment's notice. And definitely get to know each one of your drums. You change out the snare, everything sounds different, you play different, you approach the kit a little differently when the sounds change. That's really important just to get to know that about the drum and then get to know that about yourself. And friends, that's the key. To know a drum and the sound so well that you know that that's the one that's gonna hit in the studio. And then bring some options just in case. All right, friends. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. Another episode of That Drum Life Podcast. I'll be here next week uh, with a new episode, artist interviews and more. Reach out to me at darren at thatdrumlife.com. That's Darren with one R, D-A-R-E-N, at thatdrumlife.com.